Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Brighton Rock podcast with me, Peter Marsh, Russell Guyver. Hello. And our now regular friend of the show, Robin Woolley. Hi. How are you guys today? Yes, all good. All good. Yeah, yeah, nice. I've, had a, um, I've had a lockdown haircut, so I'm feeling a lot better about the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You haven't got as radical as me, I see, but uh, <laughs> no. still pretty decent. Looks, looks quite tidy, actually. Yeah, nice work. Yeah, no, I can't claim any credit for it, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm taking you didn't get your little daughter to do it. I'm guessing no, why. I didn't. no, I didn't. <laughs> but now, yeah, feeling slightly back to normal. But yeah, excellent. Ready, ready well, to go. New normal. It's a, it's yes, a new normal exactly. <laughs> Well, it's been a busy week, hasn't it, news-wise? Um, quite a few bits and pieces. So we're going to be talking through a few of those things in part one, and in part two, we've got the latest in our team selection section. Uh, where we're going to be talking about our best and all greatest teams slash cult teams. Um, looking forward to that, guys, a little bit later on. Um, mm. Have you got your teams ready? We have, I have, yeah. Yes, I have. And there's, yeah, there's a few uh, few interesting additions to the greatest team. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> the cult team might be an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel some, some debates going on here big time. <laughs> Which right. team does Kemi Augustine fit in? That's the big question. I mean, he's obviously <laughs> in both, but... You know, yeah, I mean, that was the difficult. Obviously, I think any any sensible person's put in captain of the best eleven, surely. <laughs> well, flashing through the news quickly, um, stop me when you get to something juicy. But here, here's what's happened this week. First thing I can remember happening was Harry Kane announcing shirt sponsorship at Orient for the first, second, and third choice kit. Um, he's sponsoring them, uh, or at least he's putting the money forward for sponsorship and having charity names put on the shirts. Commendable act, pretty good, good work there yeah. from him. Um, yeah, Seagulls over London had a, a Q&A with Bruno and Greer. Um, Bruno, your new friend Robin, of course, uh, yes. and Gordon Greer, who I hadn't seen on any podcasts or Q&As, and he came across pretty well, actually. Um, he's sporting a new hairstyle himself, in fact, as well. It's uh, suspiciously growing out quite a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that was a really, really good uh, Q&A, and um, commend the club yet again for one of a number of uh, those things, that they, initiatives that they've put up in recent weeks, so that's all good. Um, the big news came, though, uh, with the Sunday and Monday testings 
announced, I think on Tuesday, 2,000 tests per week scheduled to go underway by the company Pronetics. Um, the first batch of tests produced six positives um, at three clubs from a total of 748 tests announced on Tuesday. Um, Norwich had yet to do theirs at that time, so that's been factored into the next set. Um, Watford confirmed three of the positives, including player Adrian Mariapa, who was supposedly being keep, uh, not going to be um, revealing it, but um, I think it was the Telegraph or someone got hold of it, so they had to, uh, had to make a statement. Uh, two back rumours at Watford as well. Um, one of the other three was Burnley's assistant manager, Ian Wone. Um, second wave of testing took place Friday to further positives. Apparently, um, I, I'm not sure, I think one of those is at Bournemouth, I think. Yes. Discovered. Um, and tests have now started in the Championship. Two positives there, um, which apparently are at Hull City, which will surely inspire some more conspiracy theories from Leeds United fans, if true, as they are the only team, I think, that have expressed outwardly uh, well, actually, it was a leak, wasn't it, to the uh, to the bosses? Yes, Hull got yeah. their, their bosses got very upset about the leak, didn't they? I was kind of... Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, if that is true, it's Hull. That's going to be seen as suspicious as well. Um, any take on any of that to do the testing, guys? Uh, Peter, what's your thoughts on it? It's pretty low, to be honest. Overall, I think it's yeah, it's quite low numbers. Um, it's the start. You know, it's about the same level I think of Germany have when they first tested. So yeah. I mean, it's not, you know, I don't think there's a reason not to carry on with the, the plans. The plans at the moment aren't the issue. It's what happens when it comes to playing games and, yeah. you know, obviously that sort of thing. And I, as far as I know, there's still not been any confirmation that they, they, they can play anywhere other than neutral venues. Yeah. But the other thing that came out was Troy Deeney's start, of course. So I think it was literally just after our last pod, they, uh, yeah. and that broke. And Deeney was basically saying he wasn't willing to, to restart with the training and the football. Um, due to the fact he's got a five-month-old son with breathing difficulties um, of a major sort. Um, he doesn't want to make any risk for his family. Um, the certain cynics have suggested maybe there's something going on with Watford being in relegation threat, um, particularly in social media. Utterly ridiculous. Clearly, it's a, it's a true scenario. Um, I don't know what the fuss is all about, but uh, Robin, a pr- pr- pretty um, unsavoury crap going on online, wasn't there, regarding this, I think? Yeah, not very nice. At all. Um, I mean, I think Peter and I were talking about this off air before you joined, which is there's a certain proportion or a certain percentage of football fan who is really over prioritizing the importance of football in the overall mm. scheme of what's going on, which is, you know, the stats are borne out of the fact that if you are from a, you know, a BM, BAME background, regardless, you are statistically of a you know, a greater risk to becoming unwell. So from Troy Deeney's point of view, he's got two, you know, he's got obviously his own personal risk factor from his, you know, his racial background. And he's obviously got the, you know, the the issue with his son. And I think anyone who's a parent, particularly of young children, and even more particularly of children who have got, you know, some kind of underlying condition, they're all of them going to make that same decision. So I don't think anyone can really, anyone reasonable (laughs) can really throw any criticism his way. Well, it's funny you say reasonable because Leeds United fans are the ones on the, on the ones mostly <laughs> complaining. I mean, that's the thing you've got to say to those people. You know, if you're in that situation and you had a young child who was, you know, not even six months old who had breathing difficulties mm-hmm. and were in the midst of a global pandemic for a, a, respir- a you know, respiratory disease, you know, you've got to be a fairly terrible parent to decide yeah. that that's a, that's a risk that you're willing to take. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen someone say, oh, you know, he's. He, you know, he earns such a lot of money that he could actually just rent somewhere, you know, and sort of isolate on his own. But you shouldn't have to. 
Mm. It's not the point, is it? You kind and of you get all these people get kind of get completely mixed up with all these examples of like, oh, I've been working doing this essential job, you know, since the start of the crisis. Why should he get away with it? It's like, well, it's football's not an essential job, and there's no way you can you can distance socially distance yourself playing football. It's like right. it's mm. literally impossible. Yeah, and you yeah. you mentioned the race uh, racial background thing. Obviously, just to contextualise that in case anyone doesn't know, um, it's been. Um, discovered that there is a, a high percentage chance of anybody of a BAME background, I think particularly South Asian and Black Af- Afro-Caribbean uh, origins, unfortunately by chance seems they seem more prone to get it, so uh, or to get serious versions of it. So yeah, you know you, you can understand in all, all aspects of that plus. The and he's not the only he's not the only footballer from that background who's expressed that concern. I've seen a couple in the championship whose name names I can't remember. Um, in the news recently as well, and obviously I think Danny Rose has, has yeah, also yeah. touched on it as well. Um, and Can- Kante as well as uh, Kante as not well. Yeah. Training. There were a yeah. couple in the championship as well. I can't remember. Um, not yeah, playing so for Le- not playing for Leeds presumably because they're all immune and they uh, no exactly yeah stronger yeah, constitutions presumably. But I think you know it's obviously, it's obviously something which is fairly you know it's, it's a legitimate concern. Um, mm-hmm based on you know it's, it's based on the science so mm. i mean it's one of those things you think again you know any reasonable person when you're actually presented with the, the facts of it that actually say you know as we touched on last week just because you're a just because you're an athlete it doesn't it doesn't rule you out from having asthma or you know other conditions yeah. that may may actually you know deeply affect you if you were to get yeah. this, this virus yeah because tammy abraham's got asthma i mean that's why he was concerned and raised up an issue and even then people are like right. with him and Kante people are like oh Chelsea don't want to drop out of the top four it's like, like no it's, it's ridiculous really fancy ending up on a ventilator exactly that's right it's madness it's like kind of people seem to have lost all common sense in this situation it's like yeah say, everything's that, a conspiracy theory I know and it's, it's kind of like well can't we just the other thing is it's like well can't we just wait then if you're that if you're that bothered about it let's just mm. wait until it's actually safe to do it mm. I mean, yeah. that's the other thing, I suppose, that's the other side of the argument, which is why, I know we've touched on it before, which is the obsession over a new season, over the one that we haven't yet finished. So it's kind of like, if you're that worried, then actually you're fine. Actually just wait until mm. it's safe to return. But the Premier League yeah, don't want yeah. to do that, though, because they, the money they get for next season yeah, just, is even more than they... So much. Yeah, it is. It all down to money. That's it. That's the only reason they're pushing for a restart now. Yeah, and that's, that's the point that Danny Rose has made, which is that you're kind of the players are being used as these kind of sacrificial lambs almost yeah. to basically fulfill the, the financial, you know, obligation. And, you know, people have said, oh, that's kind of overdramatic. And, you know, to an extent, it probably is a little bit overdramatic because obviously, you know, the majority of players aren't going to get the virus. And if they do, it's not going to be life-threatening. But it's still, like you say, it's not an essential job. Yeah. So you shouldn't really be putting anyone in the way of harm if it's not an essential yeah. job. Yeah. yeah, and also, I mean, the other thing um, to mention on this is that while some people are worried about it, other people of a similar background are not. Um, Jordan I reputedly has uh, broken the lockdown in some regard. Um, I think he's had previous issues of another sort of getting into trouble, so not great to see. Mm. But at least Serge Aurier's uh, gone for the hat-trick. He's done it for a third time, apparently, as if two isn't bad enough, you know. So uh, he becomes the new star bell end of the lockdown era, um, if, if what's been said is true. 
Um, well, he, if, if, the, second, the third one is true. He put a photo of it on Twitter. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the thing I mean, is that's just, double stupidity, really, isn't it? I mean, that's like a breaking lockdown, and then b yeah. putting a photo of yourself doing it on social media. And he's not the first person to do that, is he? It's incredible. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really good to see that the vanity of looking sharp with a new haircut, which is what he was up to, uh, far outweighs the need to keep vulnerable people safe, isn't it? It's good to know they're thinking on those lines. Um, yeah, but, I mean that, that's him three times. It's um, it's Ive, it's Walker, it's um, uh, it's Jack Grealish, it's Mason Mount, it's endless other people lower down the divisions as well. Far too many people seem to find yeah. it very difficult to uh, to cope with this. I suppose, sound, well, it sounds like Ive's out of Bournemouth anyway already. He's not even going to extend his deal beyond 30th of June, apparently, from what I read. Yeah, yeah, he's in the um, reserves anyway. Anyway, yeah. isn't he? He's never really kind of yeah, he's never really hit the heights there exactly. Beyond yeah. 20 minutes yeah. against us. Where yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many players can we say over the year who've done that at their best <laughs> moments against Albion? <laughs> <laughs> Probably quite a few, annoyingly, yeah. Um, who's the other one? Charlie, what's his name? Um, QPR. He missed the whole season. Came on as a... Oh, yeah, Austin. Austin yeah. yeah. Recovered he from injury. Was, one yeah. game to score a brace to come back from 2-0 down. There was that... Yeah. I think and then got injured was, again. There was a player that I've, I think I've mentioned on here before, that guy that we used to play for Colchester. Is it Perkins? Oh, yeah. yeah. He always Perkins. used to score. He always used to run the game against us. Always used to score. Is he the um, Albino guy? Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, just one, but just incidentally, on the subject of breaking uh, curfews and lockdowns, we should just flag this up only briefly because it is a football podcast. But a certain other person's got into trouble on the, uh, the weekend that we're recording this. Um, a certain Mr. Dominic Cummings. And we're waiting on possible breaking news while we're recording of whether he gets sacked or resigns. Could be easy comings, easy goings. Who knows? Oh, Sorry. Sorry. Oh, I had to do that. See you next <laughs> anyway, week. Moving swiftly on. <laughs> um, flashing through the other news this week. Um, of course, Celtic have been announced champions and Hearts are relegated and threatening legal action after the Scottish Premier League followed suit with the rest of Scotland to uh, end their season. Um, so Celtic nine in a row now. Um, lots of shenanigans going on and bits of banter with them and Rangers this week. I won't bore you with the details. Uh, Chris Sutton getting involved as usual, which is quite fun. Um, so, you know, that's another one going that way. We're still waiting to find out what's going to happen with us. Um, we'll come to that in a minute. But just a couple of other points. Um, I noticed this week Plymouth have launched branded face masks with proceeds going to the NHS. Do you see that? Which yeah, very good. Like yeah. That. Um, Wednesday this week saw the, which is the twentieth, saw Graham Potter's birthday. Turns out it's also Mark McGee's birthday. Nick Schapanik, the uh, football and Albion fan and football journalist, um, and my mate Greg as well, all celebrating their birthdays on the same day. Greg, with his party supposed to be in this weekend, disappointing. Uh, uh, these damn lockdowns, eh? Um, Premier League Championship equation. The, the Premier League rulebook states that the season is over when teams have played each other twice. Whereas apparently, according to the EFL, the rulebook states that the season is over when the last games have been played. A bit more vague. Oh, interesting. Small, How does yeah, that even small, mean? <laughs> yeah, small but potentially significant uh, distinction. That's, that's yeah. a fairly wide loophole, isn't it? Yeah. I know, it is, isn't it? And of course, the Championship are talking more earnest now about what they're doing, as well as the Premier League. Lots of negotiations going on. Um, they're likely to continue to wait on the Premier League pathway, I think. EFL and League Two specifically have both given indicative votes um, that a rule change, albeit temporary, would sanction the waiving of relegation for this season. However, as it stands, this is only indicative so far and not formally ratified. 
I, I thought it was voted out at the end, doesn't it, this week? Or I that think, you can't sneak two of gone back to relegation again, I have a feeling. Or, yeah, or I think they've, they've gone, they, they've said there's going to be promotion and relegation throughout yeah. the ESL. Yeah. So Stevenage yeah. aren't saved, which was originally, I think, fought before. Yeah. Yeah. I know the, the Championship's going to be distinctly nervous, aren't they? And I'm happy about the way it's just gone so far, though, because they'll feel the lack of relegation in those divisions would serve as a means by which the Premier League might justify mm. doing the same. So there's more of a knock on effect for them, maybe. Um, so it could be definitely League One allegedly is seeming to be moving more towards cancelling the season apparently with the despite yeah. the opposition of what six, seven clubs or whatever it is. Yeah, there was an article that, that came out this morning up in the local press up here, which is partly why Sunderland are so against it, which is due to various deals and financial circumstances that Sunderland would lose out the potential of eight million pounds if they wow. were to finish the season and go up. Hmm. Which in League One terms, even for you know, even in Sunderland terms, eight million quid is what's on the line for them. Does that so include see... attendances as well, or does it? Is that not sure? I didn't read that much into the detail, but um, yeah, that's certainly a lot of a money. Lot of money I can yeah. Absolutely understand why they're um, why yeah. they're pushing for the the season it, to be completed in in the appropriate manner. I was going to say, incidentally, Rochdale apparently have applied for a council loan, which is interesting. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's an interesting yeah. one. They're going to cover that on the Price of Football podcast, I think, tomorrow, aren't they? Um, and but the point about this is that's that's quite difficult. I think we talked about this during the week, which is actually a lot of councils themselves are in quite a lot of financial yeah. difficulty. So not every council is going to be able to necessarily bail out their their town's football, town or city's football club, are they? Mm. Well, exactly, yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens on that score. Um, uh, one other bit of news for the week, it was the 37th anniversary of the Smith Must Score Cup final. <laughs> As if he hasn't heard enough about that, he's been dragged through the uh, the ringer again by various outlets, um, popping up on uh, podcasts and news items. Uh, poor old Gordon, eh? But um, you know, it was um, yeah, thirty seven years ago this week. Still agonise over that game, um, even though I was a kid when I watched it the first time round. But you know, still keep thinking it's going to go in this time. And obviously, there's been a load of other cup um, anniversaries as well. Including good old Pardew's dark celebration. Oh yeah, uh, of course, because it's it would have been fun. Cup final weekend this weekend, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, it was good to see him get his old uh, celebratory, premature celebratory dance in the uh, in the uh, airwaves again as well. Brilliant, <laughs> love it. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention as well this week, and I think this is pretty poor show. Jonathan Lecco, you might remember the West Brom player who um, was. A judge to have been racially abused by Casilla of Leeds, the goalkeeper. Um, he's still not received an apology from either the player or the club. Many weeks, I mean, this is weeks after the decision to give Casilla an eight-game ban for the abuse, let alone when the actual decision occurred, uh, when the incident occurred. That's pretty poor show, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, Pete, I don't imagine you've got a view on this, have you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I think everyone at Leeds is totally above board and legit and uh, a great, great bunch generally. Mega City United. Yeah. I think the guy, I think to, I think it has to be said. I think he does claim his innocence still. So I suppose that's it would go against his innocence if uh, he apologised. Yeah, logic apologize, there. Yeah. But I mean, it, it would look better on him if he actually, you know, said, "Look, you know, kind of obviously I've been found guilty here. Accept his punishment and you know, said apologies for even if it's just you know if you stand by he didn't think it was if it did offend the guy. Obviously, then yeah, you could just say I'm sorry if you felt you know yeah. if you felt I said something. You know, you could go. Yeah. There is a middle ground. Yeah, isn't exactly. There, Without admitting your guilt. Yeah, so pretty poor show. Um, and Didn't he play for West Brom when they played at the Amex last year? Like, I think they've been doing quite well. They've yeah. had a really young side and they still almost beat us. And yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, presumably leads are very busy spending their time filling every column inch and social media post with, <laughs> with, uh, and, with, and uh, ghost writing, ghost writing children's letters to. Yeah, exactly. That takes a lot. That must I saw some Twitter comment by um, some Leeds fan yesterday about how wonderful Leeds are and they deserved promotion and that sort of thing. And there was some follow up by one guy say basically, in all seriousness, basically saying the Premier League be better off with Leeds in it. <laughs> I was like, as if, like, as if every, every Premier League club is like pining over Leeds, and it's well, like the delusion is. But I mean, the, the counter argument to that is that they've been outside it for what. 15 16, years? I think it's 16, 16. Yeah. and in in that time the tv deals have grown exponentially without them yeah. being there so it's mm. which you think it might drop again if they come up then <laughs> yeah exactly everyone walks away by default that makes them smaller now doesn't it just in terms of football financing yeah um, but, it, but they I mean, are champions of europe though so you know you've got to give what, credit what you there. said peter what you said about that fan saying they deserve to be there just because. I mean, Terry Christian, I remember, the absolute moron. Man. Yeah, exactly. He said something along similar lines when Villa got promoted, saying it's good to have you back. Much rather have you in than small clubs like Brighton. I think, well, people that deserve to be there deserve to be there. So yeah. Honest, what's that mean? What's that mean? Football, yeah. football would be very boring if that's how we... If that's yeah, how exactly. We yeah, exactly. You're just it's the 20 biggest better. clubs, so you can just play in the Premier League. Just yeah. cram as many obnoxious fans of, of clubs yeah. into one division as possible. You could really call it the Bell End Premier League now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, um, I've got to have another word about Sheffield United. I've not been reading it firsthand, but I'm hearing that there's just an ongoing torrent of... Yeah, it's, from... I saw some more this morning. It's, it's becoming... I know last week we said it was, it was sort of a minority. And obviously, you know, social media is, is a fairly small representation of a, you know, of a particular fan base. But yeah, I'm seeing quite a lot. Um, and... Pete and I, again, we chatted on this just before you joined us. Part of it, or I think a lot of it, is the fact that they are clearly having a bit of a fluke season. Yeah. And it's unlikely that next season they're going to be in and around the top four, five, six. Yeah. Um, yeah. The but, club knows the fans know it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the flip side of that is we're in the middle of a once-in-a-century global pandemic. So let's just not be children about it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and on a similar subject, um, actually today, I think, uh, there's been another fuss caused related to us and this issue of when the season continues, um, which I think you guys have seen as well. There's a statement been issued by the club in response to an article in the, I think, a mail on Sunday, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Which, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll read the statement, actually, because if anyone hasn't called this yet, um, it said the club has today called on the mail on Sunday to correct the entirely false report written by Joe Bernstein and published in the paper. Um, I've just lost the page for a second. Here we go. Um, and it says, um, the article falsely suggests that players from the club, led by Lewis Dunk, made direct representations to the club's chairman, Tony Blue, concerning the club's stance on the Premier League's project restart plans. The club can confirm that no such conversations have ever taken place. The club has written to the Mail on Sunday requesting that they remove the article from the website and print a correction in next week's paper, which I'm sure will be in tiny print, uh, and has referred to the matter to its lawyers to consider further action. The club's stance, entirely supported by our players, has been very clear and entirely consistent since the start of the pandemic. We wish to complete the season when it's safe as possible to do so, while ensuring the competition format remains as consistent and as fair as possible. And it just concludes, uh, incidentally, from there. But, you know, I, I don't it's know a very bizarre. It's a very yeah. bizarre article because it's yeah, suggesting that, it's a, if for anyone that hasn't read it, it's basically suggesting that our players 
were uncomfortable that the club was, mm. in their view, trying to get the season cancelled and that that would therefore reflect badly on them and their own ability to keep us up in the division based on sporting merit. Mm. So it's a very bizarre, it's a really yeah. bizarre story. It references Knockart as well, yeah. who's like at Fulham on loan. It's like, why are you referencing a player who's out on loan? As yeah. saying I mean, that he what he was keen to season to not continue or something, which I've well, not seen quoted anywhere. Yeah, I mean, it just by all accounts it seems to be shoddy journalism, which I I, I expected better from their usual high standards than they are on Sunday. So <laughs> I disappointed them. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, shocking stuff, isn't it? Um, a couple of other things, just um, quickly in part one, actually, before unless you guys have got anything else. One was to do with your local club now, Charlton Athletic, Peter. I think there's been something else with East Street Investments this week, hasn't there? Yeah, there's talking of another takeover and that sort of thing, isn't there? At the kind of around and yeah, um, the, the or the, the former Bolton owner or something like yeah. that. Yeah, potentially positive news generally is the first of it. Who so, knows? I mean, they've obviously had what was positive news at one point before, and then it, it seems to have gone a bit wrong again. So, hmm. I mean, who knows whether it'd be positive or not? I mean, obviously, uh, as it stands, the championship didn't continue; they'd be going down. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It's, uh, but obviously, yeah, ownership again is more important than than that. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Who we'll knows what what's happens. going on there? Yeah, and the final uh, part, I think, really for me, I've just remembered one other thing is um, Newcastle. It sounds like that's getting closer to going through. Um, obviously, fit and proper. Um, it was never in doubt, was it, that they were going to be um, yeah. suitable? Um, you allegedly murder a few journalists here and there, and it's like fine, you know. Yeah, well, I've been convinced that Blackpool can get uh, can own a club, so. Why can't um, you know? Why can't uh, human rights abusers? I suppose. Man, what's the problem? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Um, and we're going to be going into part two in a minute. We're going for an early halftime um, whistle. But before we do, I just wanted to read out one of the on this days from Dan Tester's book. Um, Doug Rugby, you guys won't remember probably, was born in Fife, Scotland, um, on this day in 1956. The uncompromising defender joined for fifty thousand pounds the Albion from Chelsea in 1987 after winning seven trophies in seven seasons at Aberdeen. Big Scott made 46 appearances, netted three times and captained the club during the 87-88 promotion season. This is Gary Nelson era territory. I remember it well. Doug is evil was the song he used to sing. He was a big brute of a Scott. He was a great guy to have in your back line. Um, fierce in 80s days, just the right man for the job. I'm not sure if he'll figure in my cult slash greatest 11, but I thought I'd throw him in there. As a, as a teaser for what might be to come in part two. Have you guys got your teams ready on firing? Yeah, yeah they, my, yes. mine have all been tested for coronavirus and they're in the tunnel <laughs> raring to go. Yeah, so. excellent. We've got the cardboard cutouts waiting in the stands to uh, welcome them onto the field. Yeah, and my, I thought uh, that some of my team want the season cancelled because they're not confident <laughs> about being there. <laughs> Are you going to tell the mail on Sunday about that? Is there... Yeah, I'm leaking. I'm, I've got Dominic Cummings on the case at the moment, just manipulating the coverage. Well, while, uh, while on the uh, just sort of like the bits from this week, I thought the uh, the Elburg story was quite good. The uh, that they ha- actually are talking about having a Zoom screen of uh, fans, even in the away end, which I, I kind of jokingly suggested a few weeks ago on this show. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it's kind of taken off. Obviously, they heard it and thought, well, we can make this happen. Yeah, big fans yeah. of the show. Yeah, fair play. That's pretty good. Well, we've had we've been accused of being plastics, so why can't we just be electronics or? Yeah, B- BBC or made a very similar joke okay. about Borussia Mönchengladbach yesterday about their fans can't be accused of being plastic, yeah. but maybe cardboard or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. good stuff. 
They also made another another joke about them yesterday, which I'm going to try and find because it amused me about how something along the lines of they uh, they obviously didn't do very well yesterday. They lost to Bay Leverkusen at home with a uh, key yeah. key Havertz, who was supposed to be like one of the big names at the moment, like coming yeah, through. Yeah, he looks good. Looks good. Yeah, looks good scoring. Mm. And the, the, the Munich Gladbach did equalise, and there was a a quote in the BBC website somewhere, which is uh, really good. Watching reading through my phone on radio, but um, here we are. Have it, and it was a pre, pre-captured grins and celebrations from the small collection of Leverkusen supporters that proved most fitting with Havertz continuing his superb form, form since German top flight form returns. Uh, this came just after six minutes after the host had finally given their cardboard army something, something to remain <laughs> impassively immobile about. <laughs> Brilliant. Did he cup his, he should have cupped his hands to the crowd, shouldn't he? Yeah. Stored, uh, gone to the away end. They should have had away fans. Away they did have some away fans, apparently. Really? Yeah, and the away fans were given the chance to buy themselves in there as well. <laughs> I, I don't know if you saw it, but it's kind of weird because they're sort of like um, they're sort of shoulder upper body size prints, or maybe even slightly bigger than that. But the face covers the whole of that that space, so they were yeah, too big for faces. It was very weird. It did work though. I think it was quite effective, probably on some kind of a psychological level. I could see how it could actually help make them feel slightly more familiar, you know, familiar yeah. surroundings. Um, just to me, it, just, it looked like there was a massive game of Guess Who going on in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> that would yeah, be amazing. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, it's really, it's very strange. I mean, I don't know if any of us will do that around here. Um, if, if I can't say, it's not particularly sort of British. It would go down very badly here because people would send in all sorts of photos, we'll be, wouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> we'd be way too precious, wouldn't we? The Germans yeah, no, are no, working no, Euro. It's not very thing, I don't think. The Germans are quirky enough to, to, to A, do it, and B, carry it off, I think. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. But the season seems to be going okay for them so far, and um, unfortunately my St. Pauli boys have uh, come unstuck this week with a Yeah, they got a bit stuffed, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, 4-0. Um, but how did your guys do, Pete? Did you get um, fair Hamburg drew at home, 0-0 at home to leaders, Arminia Bielefeld. So yeah, we well, one point clear as Chukgart in second, who they then blow to away tomorrow, uh, next weekend. This is where it's right. already happening, and it's in, it's in Bundesliga. Yeah, well, Bayern are probably going to walk the league, yeah. aren't they? To be honest, so, although they've got yeah. Borussia this week, haven't they? It's quite an interesting. One. Yeah, that's it. But um, some good games. I saw the Munich um, Gladbach Leverkusen game. Not a bad game, actually. You could see the quality difference. I also saw my my top division boys Werder in action, and they managed to get a brilliant one 0 away win. Uh, yeah, they, they, they needed it, needed. didn't they? Because they're struggling That's a bit right. at the moment. Yeah, but the game, to be honest, was pretty poor. Both sides were very poor. Um, it, it was fairly. Do you think pace. how many pretty poor games you see in the Premier League when we, you know, watching over Albion over the last three years or so? You know, it's like. Yeah, it was like those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there aren't them. there aren't many where you go away. Obviously, games where you go away thinking we've done really well, but there aren't many where you go away thinking that was going to be an exceptional game. You know, it's like yeah. match of the day will be hanging out as first or second choice. You know, it's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Well, Robin's disappeared from the screen for a moment, so I'm assuming he's secretly making his cardboard cutouts uh, in the background. Then. <laughs> no, I was. I've, I'm reading my. I was just reading my team. I'm got my team on my phone as well. So I was. Oh, okay. Good. Good. Nice work. Good. Good. Okay. Well, speaking of which, we're going to take a short break now. We'll be back with part two. Uh, where we've got the teams coming up, our greatest, our best, our cults, all that stuff. Let's see what we got in just a moment. Welcome back to part two of episode 37 of the Brighton Rock podcast with me, Peter Marsh, Russell Guyver, Hello. and Robin Woolley. And uh, we're Hello. back. 
part two now, which is going to be our Albion best and Albion greatest teams. And we were, we were debating before the difference between the two. And uh, Robin, would you like to give us your view of that? Because you were the one who kind of suggested the different options. Yeah. Um, when we first talked about this, we were going to go with the, with the straight best 11, which I think is fairly sort of easy to understand, which is the, the kind of the technically the best, most skillful players that we've seen um, during our various lifetimes watching the Albion. And then I had a thought about greatest and we had a bit of a discussion and, and greatest to me seemed a bit different. It, it was something a bit more around either a bit of a cult hero or, you know, someone who'd been a very you know great servant to the club or someone who'd played a pivotal role in a successful Albion team. So not necessarily the best player, but someone who was very important to the club, you know, in an important season or over a prolonged period of time. So the more I thought about it, the more I thought there is a distinct difference between the two. You could have a player who's in both, in theory. I've not got mm. one, but I think you could. So, yeah, to me, there was, a, there was a, a distinct difference between the two concepts. I don't know what you guys thought. Yeah, yeah mine, I, I think mine, it's the... I was going to say, mine's got a lot of crossover, so that's going to be interesting, an interesting difference. But, uh, yeah, sorry, Pete. Yeah, go ahead. Obviously, I just did my, my best team first and then didn't include them on purpose for that. But, yeah, I think there is a, quite a lot of poss- yeah, potential crossover in the whole thing. <laughs> Mm, yeah yeah okay well we'll go through the team so we're going to start by doing the best aren't we the out and out best teams uh, or best players in a team um doing it by position by position i don't know if if we want to do it we'll just do one by one we can have different formations obviously if we want um yeah so um shall i start on that one yeah yeah so i mean for best i found the goalkeeper was an interesting one actually um going back through time because i obviously go back a bit further and we're talking about in our lifetime or living memory, aren't we? Um, mine goes back further. And I think Graham Mosley certain certainly one of the people that was sort of very significant in my um, football upbringing. Um, but ultimately, I think when I look through it, I think you could argue a case for him. You could argue a case for Ben Roberts, I think, who, even though not the most consistent for us for various reasons to do with injuries and the latter part of his career and so on, I think he may be the man to to put in for me as, as the best. You could also argue, of course, Matty Ryan, who's coming into his own and he's had now three years at the top flight um, and through no fault of his own, if it doesn't become four, <laughs> um, because, you know, it's not at his end of the field where we've really suffered this season, it's been the other end. So he's done his job pretty well. So you could argue any of those cases, but I think probably Ben Roberts has the greatest credentials. And had it not been for his injuries, um, he could have been the man... To be, to be the greatest as well, possibly, but um, in a different time. But yeah, I've gone for, I've gone for um, Ben Roberts in the end. Um, shall I go through the rest of the team as well, fire the whole way through? Yeah. Because I've got um, centre-backs, I think I've gone pretty straightforwardly. I've gone for two players that I think are possibly our best centre-backs of all time, um, by anyone's reckoning. Mark Lawrence, and, um, who I was able to see in my earlier days, that's where there's obviously going to be a difference with you guys. And Lewis Dunk, who I just think has been outstanding for a consistently very, very good and a ball-playing player. A lot of similarities to Lauro, actually. And those two consistently through the years have been excellent players. Obviously, Lawrence and less so in terms of time with us. But he had a solid period with us. And I, I think those two will be hard to displace um, for anyone that's as old as me in terms of you know having the same selection criteria. Um, right back, I've gone for the man, El Capitan, Bruno. I think it, just his quality, his first touch was so good. Um, his composure, his 
intricacy with his passing, his know-how, his um, just his understanding of the game is second to none. And you look at what he's done in, in the game. Same with Lawrenson, of course. You know they've played at the very highest level and really done it through a consistent number of seasons. Um, left back was the one I wasn't really sure about, unless I can cheat. Because I mean, I would say the best left back I've seen playing in the stripes is Wayne Bridge. Um, whether we're including uh, low knees, oh, the... I think we've included low. I've included low knees. Yeah, yeah, I've included case, low knees as well. Specifically, the one you're talking about as well. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I've gone with Wayne. So I've got the back five of Roberts, which is the intriguing one. Lauro and Dunk at centre-back. Bruno at right-back. Bridge at left-back. Shall I go through the rest of my team as well? Just so we can see how it, how it goes? Or do you want to do it by I was going to, just going to quickly jump in. My, I was going to say my backs, but I've got four of the same back five that you've got. So I've got okay. Ben Roberts, Bruno, Dunk and Bridge as well. Obviously, yeah. I didn't see, I didn't see yes. Lauro play, so I can't put him in. I would have done... Pro, you know, guaranteed I would have put him in if I'd seen him play. So in his place, I've actually put Matt Upson in. Yeah, which is a good shout. Yeah. Again, only, you know, only with us for a season. But again, you know, someone who has done it at a, consistently at a high level, played for England, you know, 20 or 30 odd times. And I thought yeah. it was very good for us. Came in, you know, it's one of those signings similar to Wayne Bridge, actually, where you bring someone in who's high profile. You're never quite sure how they're going to do. But, you know, both of those guys were, I thought, were very professional, mm-hmm. very good consistent for us yeah and in the first part of this podcast where we were talking about the Gordon Greer and uh, Bruno uh, Q&A we had for Seagulls over London online um, I think it was Gordon Greer I can't remember who one of them I think mentioned the composure of Upson as well and how much time he just seemed to have on the ball which is of course the classic way of measuring such players and certainly I think that's true of the other choices we've got there Bridge, Bridge was I think also mentioned in the same light on the same Q&A so yeah Upson I think is probably what would have been my choice if I was younger <laughs> yeah and um, Peter what, what, so what's your back for? Uh, so I've gone for three of the same as you guys so I think we can pretty much pen in Bruno, Duncan, Bridge I don't think there's mm. any question I have gone for Matt Ryan just because I think he's been playing the Premier League for three years um, I don't think he makes many errors at all although he gets a, a bit of stick which I think is a bit unfair but you very rarely since the first couple of games makes an error he makes some brilliant saves and he's, he's been superb for us, I think, since he's, he's definitely nowhere near one that you'd, you know, one of the ones that you'd replace, whatever, and if, if we're looking to move up, he's definitely a, a keeper who could do better than us, arguably, I'd say. Yeah. And in yeah. central defence, slightly boringly, I've gone for Shane Duffy, just because he was, uh, yeah, obviously, this defender we went up with and he's been, he and Dunk were brilliant for two years before they obviously got broken up this year, so. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, fair play. Good, good. Okay, fine. Well, midfield, this is where there's going to be another big difference between the two of us, uh, between the three of us, sorry, um, which is that um, I think I've, in the end, I think we've got a little bit of a sound. Are you all right with the sound there? Seems to be yeah. something. Yeah. I'm trying to um, work out what it is, but um, yeah, there's some. Yeah, we've got a little bit of interference. Yeah, who knows what that is. Hopefully, it's not affecting your enjoyment of this lovely podcast. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, midfield, I've actually gone for two of the old schoolers. I remember. Again, it's hard to quantify because I was a kid when I was watching them. But I think the fact I did see them, and I do remember them being good, um, and it, it's hard to, you know, to, to tally that up with the modern era and how they would have fared. But certainly of their time, Brian Orton and Tony Grealish, for me, were two central midfielders who were really solid, great players. Um, again, they seemed to have time on the ball. Everything seemed to go through them. They knitted the play up really well. They were intelligent players from what I've since come on to understand as a as an adult looking back. Um, sadly, Tony Grealish is no longer with us at all. But Brian Horton, mm. of course, went on to manage us 
for what that's worth. But he was a cracking player, and they were they had steel, they had um, vision, and they they had that necessary toughness, but they had the understanding of the game that really made them superb players in their time. So central mid, I've gone with those two. Um, I think for the sides, I've gone with Peter O'Sullivan, who could play either as an inside forward or more likely he played left midfield. You could say he had he was a winger as well. Um, he was with us for a good decade or more. Um, he was an understated sort of player, but he went about his business, played very good um, style of football. He could beat a player. He, his crossing was excellent. Um, he was consistently good, and he was with us through that whole rise through the divisions into and including the top flight. And um, he just—he was a no-nonsense guy that got on with his job. Almost feels like it sounds like a defender, but it, being a, a player that played further forward. So I've, I've gone for him for my choice on the left. If I'd been about a hundred years old, I might have gone for um, Albert Edward Longstaff, known as Bert Longstaff, who was um, an Albion legend. I think he played. 356 games for us over a period of some something like um, 15 years or 16 years. Apparently, really, really good, and he he was um, involved in the goal where we we won the um, the trophy, uh, the the only major honour as it was then <laughs> regarded as the Charity Shield. Winners of Southern League playing winners of Football League, we were the Southern League winners and won that Charity Shield as well. Born and bred in Shoreham as well. So he would, have, he would have been an absolute cult hero, but he's way too old for my era. But I wanted to flag him up because I think he's good. But yeah, I'm going for Horton and Grealish Central, Peter O'Sullivan on the left. And I've actually gone for Steve Penny on the right, who I've loved in the 80s. Great player. Unfortunately, his season and oh, sorry, his time with us was curtailed by persistent knee injuries. I, I think it was knee, uh, but persistent injuries anyway. And unfortunately, you know, he didn't really ever get to the point where he was going to take that greatest or cult tag but I think he would have been both that and one of the best if he'd had the time to flourish I've got a feeling you guys are going to disagree on that anyway even if he was a, a more modern generation player um, I know who you're going to mention I think as well but <laughs> uh, we'll come to that in a second but that, that was my midfield so over to you boys um, yeah my I'm going to go with the wings I'm going to start with the one that you've missed in my opinion which is Vicente um, hmm. We're not going to oh, have Vicente out, haven't I? Ooh, yeah, yeah. I've forgotten Vicente. Um, I think Ooh. it's fairly. I think I'm fairly safe to say that it's going to be a very long time before we have a player that plays for the Albion who reached the peak that he did in the early part, well, early to mid part of his career. So I mean, hmm. if you think he was, a, he was someone that was regarded for a good couple of years as being the best in the world in his position. Hmm. And I think when he quantified like that, I don't think, I think we'll have to wait a very long time before we get someone of that stat. Obviously, you know, he didn't deliver those heights of the album. When we're talking about technically the best players, he's, he is the first name, he's the first name on this team sheet, regardless of position. He is the first one in there because, you know, his achievements in the game, his reputation, and even the flashes of skill that he had. I mean, that, the best goal that I've never seen scored was that derby dribble yeah. where he basically dribbled around their entire team about four times and then smashed the ball <laughs> against the bar well that that game he and Luar Luar absolutely just absolutely hammered Derby didn't they they, was like, yeah. they didn't even have a shot barely we kind of were all over them and 2-0 and was basically yeah exactly finish. it should have been about 8-0 um, and then he scored that really good goal at Ipswich I think where he just cut in and just bent it into the top which is always forgotten because he we lost I think that day and people kind of yeah, like a lot of the time really good goal 
Yeah, he ran um, from like the halfway line and just yeah again. He just, the top he, corner. he just kept cutting in. You thought any other player, you think this is going to end up in row Z, but with Vicente, you're fairly confident that it's probably going to end up in the top corner. Yeah, I think. Yes, yeah, so I've, have... I've gone for Vicente on one wing. Uh, yeah. On the other wing, I've gone for Knockart, actually, mm-hmm. just because in that promotion championship promotion season, he was just irresistible for most of it. Mm. I mean, there were games where quite a lot of games were actually he just made an absolute mockery of the opposition. Just, and I it, mean, not, not even with his level. I mean, obviously, he's a very skillful player, but he's actually, you know, the substance behind it. You know, the sheer number of goals and assists and big moments that he created in that really important season. Um, and even phenomenal. in the half season before that as well, when he basically yeah, came exactly. in, we were, we were dropping down the league when he came in, yeah. almost out of the playoffs, and he transformed yeah. that as well to the point where we almost went up automatically. He's, in a way, he's, he's quite similar to Vicente in that on his day, he is unplayable. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, to a lower degree because he's not done it at that height. But if, even in the championship, when he was on form, I don't think there was a defender in the league, really, that no. we're, was going to stop him. Well, you look especially. at that Manu home game, the first season, for example. I oh, mean, they, yeah. He destroyed them, that game. He did. It, I mean, there was that, we always joke that there was that, obviously, watching the North Stand, there was a moment coming down the touchline towards the East Stand where he sent Marcus Rocco to Eastbourne, basically, um, <laughs> with a bit of skill. And it was... So, yeah, he's in. Um, and I really struggled with central midfield, to be honest, for best. And the fir- my first pick is quite controversial, actually. And I've gone Liam Bridcup. Mm. And the reason for that is that in League One, again, I'm talking kind of pound for pound here, but I still think he is, one, given his position and the, the role that he played in the team, he was absolutely brilliant. Um, and I think maybe we've not necessarily... shows that maybe we've not necessarily kicked on very much in terms of central midfielders we've had. Obviously, we've got... You know, we've had proper in the Premier League era, but I don't think he's necessarily delivered. I know he's not been, he's not been, he's not underperformed, I don't think. But he's not really hit the heights yet consistently that we would hope. Um, so I've gone for Liam Bridcock because I just thought he was absolutely brilliant, very tidy at the time, pivotal in that Gus team, pivotal when we got to the championship. Was thought, I honestly, I thought at the time that Sunderland wasn't the right move for him because I think he would have. I think given a different move, he would have flourished in the Premier League, given his yeah. style, because he was very comfortable on the ball. Um, considering his height, he was very good in the air. Range mm. of passing, you know, time on the ball, very calm under pressure, all of those kind of attributes that you associate with. Pace might have been his one slight lack yeah, in the Premier exactly. League. That was um, the, the one possible issue. But yeah, I just, I've got him in there. Um, and I've got Dale Stevens in, because mm. he's one who's been... He's another one that's obviously come, you know, come through the league to us, as it were, and he's his performance levels have have matched it. So um, he's kicked on in the Premier League. We might have some Albion fans um, suggesting that um, Stevens and Bricker are just going to pass it sideways mm-hmm. to each other for the whole game. <laughs> um, well, I mean, to be fair, at least at least we're going to get a nil-nil draw if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, we could draw our way to safety with that team. Yeah, but no, they. I mean, yeah, players. I think there are other obviously. Midfielders I mean, that are before, before my time, I think, the, the, to me, the obvious one, I suppose, is Jimmy Case. Hmm. Is one, I suppose, yep. you, would, you would put in. But yeah, of the ones that I've seen, 
those. Yeah, that's my thought. That's I, I did consider thought. cheating as Jimmy Case did come back in my time, but yeah, I, thought, I did as well. I thought better off it. Was, like, yeah, I just, but I thought, yeah, it doesn't really. Uh, I had exactly the same thought. I thought it doesn't yeah. really count. So, yeah, that, my, that's I, my thought. Knock I thought the same with Foster as well, conceivably, of putting him in um, yeah, on I the same basis, thought, but, but I, yeah, didn't because mm-hmm. obviously it wasn't the same when he was here. Yeah, so Knockhart, Bridcut, Stevens, Vicente, obviously a fairly kind of modern, yeah. modern feel to it. Boringly, yeah. I've got three of the same four as you. So yeah, I agree with Vicente. <laughs> I think he, yeah, he's kind of like, it's very hard to leave him out. I think I did at the point of like the 2010s decade thing, but I think that was because it was like, because he was injured so much. But if you're just purely talking about the best player to play for Albion in my time, then yeah, he's the most hmm. skillful by a long way. It's ridiculous that he joined us, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Like, Bizarre. No, it's um, ridiculous. Knockart was just ridiculous when we went up. We were like, yeah, 15 goals, 15 assists. And he, he played a part in the two years we survived as well. So he's, yeah, I don't see any question about him being in in terms of the last few years. He did yeah. so much for the Albion. And Stevens, I agree with as well. He was so important in our promotion. He was like, you know, it was a point when I think we couldn't win when he wasn't in the team yeah, in exactly. the last two seasons. And despite the criticism, I still think he generally does a pretty decent job in the Premier League. Mm. He gets a lot of stick. This season, I thought you started superbly, and then he dropped off a bit, like a number of them. But, um, but the first three months of the season, I think he's arguably our best player this season. Well, now, um, go, go. sorry, go on. I was going to say, do you want to go ahead with your um, forwards in a minute? I've still got well. my one under midfielder as well. I've got one. So yeah. instead of instead of Bridcut, I have got proper. Um, mainly because I think he's the most skillful player at the club currently. I think he's like he's he has so much talent, and some things like that. Was it Manuel away last season when he outside of his booty crossed to Grosch? And uh, to, for a brush to score and stuff like that, he's just he does things that I didn't think I'd get an Albion Albion player see on. Do you want to yeah, he's, he's a really good player. I rate him, and I think he's yeah. he's, he's gaining or he has been trying to when he got interrupted with this fire. But there also was uh, that great he managed Sorry, to yeah. foul two players. He managed to bring down yeah. two players in the same move, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. well, I thought, yeah. I thought the best proper moment was when he scored like his second goal for us against Wolves and then five minutes later basically gifted them a goal to make yeah. up yeah. for it or whatever, kind of get, let them equalise. I wonder if, I, and this is, I had proper in mind when I was thinking this, I wonder if to, you pose the question, what we're talking about today, would this change in, say, two or three years' time if we kept the same players? Obviously, you'd mm-hmm. hope we'd, sign, we'd stay in the top division, sign better players and go on improving. But if we kept these players and stayed in this division, would proper maybe fit into everyone's team? I don't or, think he would, but I think I think if you go, I think if you fast forward five years, Alzate would be. Yeah, yeah that's another. I think shout. I think the question mark of a proper is consistency. But my view is, if he was consistently as good mm. as he can be, then he wouldn't be playing for us. He'd be playing oh, yeah, for exactly. a team much higher up. So it's like I think you still, even though we're in the Premier League, you still have to you know realize. It's like people say Matt Ryan's too small. Well, if Matt Ryan was six foot three, he um, dominant on his off his line, he probably yeah. wouldn't be playing for Brighton. You know, it's yeah, I mean, that's, like, that's, that's, that's the, the reality of things as well, isn't it? Which yeah. is if knock up was that consistent every week, he would have yeah. been in. The, yeah. you know, a Leicester would have kept him. And B, he'd have ended up at a top six club. And, he, and even then, Leicester did try and keep him, didn't they? They tried to, they, they yeah, they a three-year deal. He just he yeah, didn't want to be first choice. And he was only usurped by Mares, frankly, who's like, who is like, you know, now a sixty odd million pound player. So yeah, yeah. Was... Well, Peter's got the ball. Proper's just passed it to Vicente or something like that. And who, who's up front? Who's receiving this I'm ball? Not, then? It's not going to be that controversial. I think I've gone for. I mean, in, in my time, I've gone for Zamora Murray. I mean, yeah. there's only one yeah. person who can match that slightly, and that's Joa, but. I think probably Zamora and Murray are definitely... Yeah, better. Zamora and Murray. No, no further words needed. Yeah, you don't really need and to give any reason for that, do you? Spoiler alert, one of those two is my... I would say is Albion's best ever player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Or best in your lifetime, or best yeah. ever, literally. I would say best, best ever, actually. Yeah. Interesting. That's a, we, that's a debate for the end. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That sounds interesting. Um, well, mine, mine is. I've actually made an admission, leaving for sent out. I probably would have chucked him in somewhere there. I think. Um, possibly he'd, he'd get in just as a right winger if I review this. But let's say I haven't and I've improvised my way up front. You could have Vicente as a number 10, possibly. Um, throw him in there. I could cheat. But I'll go with my original choices. So I've gone with Glenn Murray. Um, I've gone with Michael Robinson, who I think was, you know, he's our top, top scorer in the top division. Um, he's got a record of goals in one season, which I don't think will beat anytime soon or in the in the distant future yeah. probably it's, it's Murray really? second in that list now in terms of top division he must be I think he is yeah, yeah I don't think is, anyone yeah. would have got that many but other than yeah you know. but Robert was a really good player really good player as I said again it's one of these things where I was a kid but I don't really remember him as well to, to proportionalize this but pound for pound he was for it was just excellent and he went on to, to, to play at the top level he got a, a treble with Liverpool I think it was the League Cup the FA Cup mm. and the European Cup in the same season um, he played in Spain for a bit and, you know, internationally as well. Um, great player. I think he would hold up well and probably would, would outdo Zamora pound for pound. But um, Zamora's obviously is, he's, mm. well, he fit, he might fit into my other team, shall we say. Let's say that. But I've gone for, yeah, I've gone for Murray and Robinson up front. But if Robinson's not um, available one week, Vicente's available with his Ill injuries, put him in at number 10. The, the other one I did wonder about, and, it's, and it involves slightly shaped, tweaked formation from 4-4-2, is Grosh. Well, I think I said, I said it before, obviously the first mm. season Premier League, he was our you know, player of the year. He was one of the key reasons we stayed up with his assist. He got like six, seven goals as well and was brilliant and obviously hasn't quite kind of injuries done quite as well, but still is involved in an awful lot of our goals in terms of assists and, and goals himself as well. And it's, yeah. I think massively because he does not quite reach the second, the first season heights and he's not that quick. He's massively underrated by a lot of people. Oh yeah. I mean, he's, that's the same one. If he had any pace, he would never have joined yeah, us. Exactly. Another one. He'd be at Liverpool or somewhere like that. It's still marvel. I'm still marvel at that that his like slowest ever Cruyff turn. He still puts defenders on the floor and kind of yeah. No one, no one, can no one's worked it out. Like his go-to move. Yeah, it's but all, it's, he, it's all exactly he can do. It's Luar, It was the same as Luar Luar's little standing start. You know, he, he yeah. came to stop and then did that little sort of explosive burst past the player. Yeah. Everyone knew it was coming, but you still knew that he's either getting past you or it's a yellow card. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, and in summary then, are we going to fuse the team together, do you think? Yeah, I think... Well, we can start off with a certain ones that are guaranteed, aren't there? I was going to like... Yeah, I mean, yeah. I... It's, so, in goal, it's Ben Roberts or Matty Ryan. I've put Roberts, but actually, I probably think Ryan, to be mm. honest, of the two. Russ, are you, are you um, sticking with Ben Roberts? Uh, I'm happy to wave that one because I think... Um, you know, he, he didn't play an awful lot for us, um, yeah. unfortunately. Um, Just so, a season, wasn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. and Ryan has done it for us in the top flight. Roberts so, is another one without injuries. He would never have played for us at Wivdeen. I mean, he was yeah, yeah far yeah. too good for that league. But he, yeah, yeah. The league one. I mean, obviously, but... he, he did it at the top flight, but not yeah. for us. So and played in the like cup final as well, didn't he? Yeah. So blemish the argument. So I'm, I'm happy to go with Ryan on that one, because I love Ryan anyway. I think he's great. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think back four-wise, we've got to go Bruno, Dunk, Lawrence and Bridge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Lawrence and I think you and I just filling in for the people. Yeah, we just just couldn't pick him based on the rules of what we put in. Yeah, 
Fair enough. So no, no questions there. Okay, midfield. I've got the feeling well, I think we should go for Vicente as one of the, uh, one of the four. So happy with that. Um, personally, I think I would actually argue for O'Sullivan over Lockhart than myself. I think, again, this is one of these things, you, you know, it, it depends on the eras. But uh, he was consistently good, including at the top, top level. Um, I think... Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that latter point. I think that's the important bit, which is Knockart was never consistent at yeah. the top level. Yeah, either for yeah. us or Leicester. Yeah, so I think I'm happy to go with. And given the fact you said he was, he O'Sullivan was with us what a decade or so. Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah, like, I'm, I think for various reasons, I'm comfortable to go with to go with that. Yeah, I'm happy with that. He even survived Brian Clough as well. So, <laughs> so you, you get a medal for that. <laughs> yeah, so, so O'Sullivan on the left, say Vicente on the right, for argument's sake. Yeah. And then we've got um, central mid. So, yeah, it depends on what we do here. Because I'm. Um, one, one, one old, one new. Who are your yeah. two in central midfield, Russ? I had um, Nobby Horton, Brian Horton, yeah. and um, Tony Grealish. Who would you um, choose out of those two, given the, the choice of the. My own personal favourite of the two would have been Horton. He's one of my favourites as a kid growing up. So I'd, I'd go for him over the, of the two. So I have to put... say, Horton, Horton was on my list when I was writing a, a list of extended, an extended mm. list of players that I couldn't include because I'd never seen them play. Horton mm. was on there. Grealish wasn't, I have to say. Not that's mm. any particular reason to choose, but yeah. he would have, Horton I probably would have picked if I could, similarly. Should we, yeah. should we go with Stevens if we both pick well. Stevens? Or? Yeah, I'd go, Hort, I'd go Horton and Stevens. Yeah. And, yeah. We both that's pick Stevens, so. Yeah. Yeah. I'd certainly pick Stevens over Bridcut, I think, overall, although I love both of them. Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, Bridcut was an absolute, was a sort of filler because, of, again, I couldn't pick Case, I couldn't pick Horton. Yeah. Wilk- yeah. Dean Wilkins hasn't been mentioned. Mm-hmm. Another one could have been in, I suppose. Yeah. Um, again, anyway, he did yeah. just about play in my time, so I could have had him because he, he was back in, he was playing for the playoff season when I first yeah. watched. But okay. yeah, I went to the other so up front, then we've got um, options. Are well, we've got one uh, definite, haven't we? Let's be honest. I yeah, so. I mean, Glenn yeah, Murray's in. Um, I'm happy to go Robinson. To be honest, yeah, I'm happy to go Robinson. So he we did have it the one, top flight. one from the old era, one from the yeah. new era. And he, so. you say, if you say, he's still our top top type scorer. So yeah, exactly. Okay. Says it all, really. Okay, yeah. so we've got a pretty good team here. So we've got Ryan in goal. We've got yeah. uh, Bridge, a left back, Bruno right back, Lawrenson and Duncan central defence. Midfield, we've got Horton with Stevens sitting in. We've got Peter O'Sullivan on the left, providing consistency and great crosses. We've got Vicente providing Stardust on the other side. And they are feeding Glenn Murray and Michael Robinson up front. That is a pretty, That's good, a pretty yeah. good team, I have to yeah. say. Yeah, that is nice. that. And we've, and we've got the likes of Bobby Zamora, Matt Upson and mm. so on on the bench. Knockout's well. available yeah. when, uh, when Vicente inevitably gets his injury. Yeah, yeah. Like one minute, one minute, fifty <laughs> seconds in, or in a warm-up <laughs> even, <laughs> with the Sensei's glass hamstring going, and then comes on, tries to do it all himself, gets frustrated and gets <laughs> sent off. Yeah. <laughs> all right, brilliant. And um, we'll we'll come on to greatest of all time as an individual player at the end of the podcast. But yeah, um, moving on to the greatest slash cult, and th- I think this is going to be defined differently person to person, isn't it? Here? Yeah, mine, yeah, I have to say, mine is very much a cult eleven. Yeah. Okay, yeah, mine, well, mine is as well. That's that's kind of what I took it as. Well, do you want one of you guys want to go first then? Um, yeah, I'm up, I can. Well, in goal, I this is where I was kind of debating Ben Roberts potentially could have gotten here, but actually, I couldn't look past Michelle Kuypers to be honest, as a sort of with Dean stalwart 
you know, and obviously a great character. Yeah, I know you, you guys have spoken to him recently and, you know, he just comes across as a great bloke. So, yeah, you know, and he was, he was great. As a shot stopper, he was absolutely brilliant. I mean, there was a save that he made at Wolves, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Basically from point-blank range. Yeah, we were chatting was... to him about that when he, when he was on the show. We were saying it was, on, it was shown on the screen at the Albion for years. The, yeah, uh, double, it was a double save, was li- wasn't it? It was one of our few games that was live on TV. Yeah. So I remember Zamora scored a little chip, I think, in that game. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I think he was, he was a great keeper more than anything else. So I've gone, gone for him. And then my back four, I've gone for Calderon, Greer, Cullip and Mayo. Mm. Calderon, you know, he could have been in the conversation for the best, but obviously, you know, not going to get past Bruno. Just a bit of a, you know, again, a bit of a legend. Joined the club when we were, you know, again, we weren't, weren't anything particularly special. And he was another one who stepped up, actually, and did a job in the Premier League when, when required. You know, scored some very good goals. He scored quite a lot of goals, considering, I think, in his time. I remember he scored, scored a couple at Charlton. Um, again, you know, a bit of a legend. So I've gone with him. Gordon Greer, captain in that League One team that we've talked about, you know, many times, was just very good, you know, very slim, good on the ball, very good captain. Again, you know, from the Q&A this week, just seems like a very nice guy, good affection with the club, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Danny Cullip, similar, really, you know, very, was at the heart of that very, very good defence. Could have picked others from that defence as well, but I put him in. You know, Kerry Mayo, if things had gone differently at Hereford, we probably would never have mentioned his name again. But um, <laughs> or, or not in a good way, anyway. <laughs> yeah, not in a good way, certainly. But, you know, have many 400, 500 odd appearances for the club, he's kind of got to be in a bit of a cult, cult 11 for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All good. So that's, my back, that's my back five. Okay, we'll do it. Should we do it by position this time? So, uh, Peter, what's your back five then, if you've done a back five? Yeah, I have. Uh, hmm. So, goalkeeper, I debated between Kuipers and I went in the end for Stockdale, mainly because of those penalty saves and all that last, that promotion hmm. season and uh, the, you know, the, the defence and the relationship between him and Duffy and Dunk and uh, all the kind of like pumping fists and that sort of thing whenever we they made brilliant saves. And yeah, just those penalty saves, that Sheffield Wednesday moment on its oh, own, that double save against Wednesday was just. You know, I mean, it was a pretty ordinary penalty, but then to turn around and tip it around the post. And that, was that game was a huge moment in going up. We just lost, I think, to Preston. And losing two in a row would have been a huge blow at that point. So I've gone for him yeah. there. I agree with you completely about Caldy. He was, uh, yeah, absolute, you know, it, he wasn't that far off, off our best right back, actually, ever. He's, he had limitations. No, that's what I'm saying. He made with, the most no of it. Bru- with no Bruno, he'd have, yeah. he'd have been in, I think. Yeah, mm. he was superb. I agree with you. Mayo is very hard to to argue with, uh, yeah, player plays so many appearances and, yeah. Um, I agree with about Cullip, who was, uh, yeah, obviously the captain for years and was brilliant for us. The one I've gone for in the central defence, and obviously it's a bit controversial in the sense of he played in various positions, um, is Adam Virgo, just simply yeah, for that goal. Good. And the yeah. fact that he somehow managed to con a move to Celtic for one and a half million pounds from <laughs> yeah, 11 but, championship goals. But basically, basically saved the club at that point as well. Yeah. And then coming and, back and, and playing on the right wing under Mickey Adams a second time. <laughs> and, and, and don't forget, he didn't actually want to go either. He was, he was no. resistant to the idea too. I think yeah, Dick Mark was just like, was slowly pushing him out the door. <laughs> yeah, I think it started off at like 8.50, didn't it? And it was like got up to one and a half million and no one yeah. quite knew how. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, I felt that he deserved a place, and I mean, obviously I could have yeah. stuck him at right back, central midfield where he was at one point up front. Yeah. But I went for uh, central defence, which was his main position. Yeah. So. 
And it's good. There's quite a bit of a Brighton thing about that as well, isn't it? Because you've got a local lad born and bred, same with Mayo. Yeah. Um, so that's quite nice as well. Um, my team, I, I looked at it from a different angle, really, and there was more to do with the quality rather than just cult status in mind. So my thinking, I'd gone again. This is going back in time, though. I'd gone with Graham Mosley, who's who's a great goalie for us for a number of years growing up. Um, if I was doing it um, in the modern era. Um, I'd probably go for Stockdale actually because he's got again that fist pumping, battling, it's fluctuate, fluctuating weight, and it was just there was all these elements of characteristics to him. He was clearly a passionate guy. He was clearly bought into the whole thing of powering us towards that promotion, absolute determination after the disappointed season, ending at Borough, etc. Um, and so I'd, I'd happily go with Stockdale, but for my own era overall, probably Graham Mosley. Um, Right back, I, I was looking at it from the point of view of still having Bruno in there, but I'm quite happy to, in the interest of keeping it fresh, um, look at it from a different angle. And I'd, if I was, then definitely Caldi. Um, Centre-backs, I think I'd probably have to chuck in um, Steve Foster if I was trying to make a difference from the Lawrenson pick. So I'd, I'd have Foster in there. Um, and then probably Gordon Greer, yeah, because I think he, he thrust us, he was at the heart of, some really good stuff that we did for a number of years there as well. So, so maybe those two. Left back, I find difficult. I'm, I'm, I couldn't really think of a left back that fitted my my own thought of the criteria. So, I'm happy to go with with Kerry there actually on that one because he was he was a stalwart of the club. As you said, it could have been all very different if it had gone as pear shaped as it was for him personally and for the team at Hereford until we got the equaliser. But um, no, I'm happy to have him in there definitely. So that's, that's all good for me. Yeah. So well, it sounds like we might have Stockdale as our choice, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm happy to be honest. I'm happy to go with, I'm happy to go with Stockdale. So we'd have Stockdale, Calder on, um, Tullip and Mayo, I think, would be in. So then it's basically, it's Virgo, Greer or Foster. On the, yeah, Greer, on the basis of, to. yeah, on the basis of, yeah, I think I would argue Gordon Greer, to be honest. I wouldn't want to be honest, a striker up, up against Greer and Cullip together. No, no, would quite I. a scary uh, yeah. position. Yeah. I think yeah. I would argue fairly strongly. The, the only issue you'd have is which one would be captain. Yeah. <laughs> and the only issue is you, they both have the potential to get a red card in the first half yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the other thing is not to underestimate. I think I was listening to a Dick Knight interview the other day and you know, the, that, that era of driving us forwards yeah. with all that misery of what had gone on with the war years and in those Whitley years and against the odds, really, that, you know, they were at the heartbeat. Yeah. People like Colin were at the heartbeat of, of actually giving us some civic pride, if you want to call it that, some local pride, even if none of us are living there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was another one. He could, have, he could have gone a couple of times before he did go as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. And he Not could have... <laughs> no, I mean, they, I think, like you say, there was a lot of them that, that bought into what the club was going to. And I felt like mm. a lot of that team didn't want to abandon, not the sinking ship, but they didn't want to leave the club, you know, in limbo yeah. slightly when they knew that we were already, yeah. you know, struggling to compete. Basically. The other one I, I mentioned from that basis is um, Butters as well, because he yeah, went yeah. from basically being thrown out on his ear by Guy Koppel within about a few a month of him joining to basically became one of our crucial players, you know, big part yeah, of that promotion and, team, scored that goal yeah. at West Ham when we were absolutely hammered and we somehow managed to nick it 1-0. Didn't at the beginning of that season, Albion fans listed him on eBay, didn't they? Yeah. And yeah. He, he came back Stuff and like like, yeah. played... I don't know, I can't remember how many games that he played hundreds of games for Albion and still at the club, you know, he's like yeah. involved with the club and it was brilliant and a, for us. A massive character as well. Yeah. Mm. The other thing I, I was... 
Also, I was going to say, there's also an argument, particularly for people who fit into a certain age category, for just um, saying the Mickey Adams um, assembled squad itself. Yeah. But, I mean, from that, you can have a cult team in its own right, couldn't you? Just because yeah. that was a whole cult team. It's almost like the crazy gang of Wimbledon, that one, wasn't no, it? No, it is. Yeah, it was. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's, our, that's our back five. So, Stockdale, Calde, Greer, Cullet, Mayo. Pretty, yeah. pretty solid back five. Not bad. Uh, midfield, I struggled over. Um, again, like Peter says, winger, particularly right wing, I struggled with. I debated Elliot Bennett because he was mm. brilliant for a, again, a fairly short period of time, I suppose. Mm. Um, in the end, I went with someone who was probably great for an even shorter period of time. Um, I went with Will Buckley, mm. probably just for the first game at the Amex, really, because I mean, yeah. I think. As a moment, both of those goals, you know, particularly the winning goal as a moment of symbolism for, you know, effectively 15 plus years of, you know, mm-hmm. 20 years probably of, you know, fairly awful times and not knowing where the club was going, whether there would be a club, whether there would be a stadium, etc. If you were sitting, I know they always say the cliche is you can't write the script, but if you were sitting down to write a script for, the first game at the Amex, it would be a stoppage time winner yeah. from a new signing and our first million pound signing. Who didn't even start as well? He was like, anything exactly. off the bench. So I think if you were to write a script, it would probably have all those elements in it. So I know that, I think, you know, that wasn't his only, you know, that he was great when he, again, when he was fit, he was another player that on his day could absolutely rip teams to bits. Um, yeah. So I've gone with him. And also did, I mean, I think some sort of percentage, like 80% of his goals in the first season were late goals, like last five yeah, minutes or something. winning goals like as kept well. scoring, yeah, important late goals for us. Um, See, so yeah, I've gone for him on the right. My On the left, I've gone for Loire Loire, um, mainly because at that point, I'd not, I'd not seen a player that exciting play for the Albion. I mean, his pace... And trickery and actually goal scoring as well. I remember that I think it was he scored that bullet of a free kick on the first, I think the first game back, either when he'd signed permanently or mm. on his 15th or whatever. Is that the MK yeah. one? Yeah. That was a ridiculous goal, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was just like, to be honest, it was one of those ones where if it didn't end up in the back of the net, that ball would still be travelling. <laughs> be like the Joa's penalty. Those two would be orbiting somewhere. Um, so yeah, I've gone for him on the left. And again, you know, he's a player that he, you know, he stepped up through the leagues. He did it in the championship for us as well. Again, not on a consistent basis, but still, he scored some important goals. Um, and then in central midfield, to me, it from the Withdean era, it was fairly easy to decide. And I've gone with Carpenter and Oakway, just because they were, you know, both players that were with us for a long period of time. Again, through the leagues, probably both without looking at it, they probably both must have played two hundred and fifty plus games. I'd have thought. Um, and yeah, obviously, you know, great. I think Oakway in particular, great character, <laughs> as, as we know. Um, but, you know, good player. I think people forget how much of a good player he was. Did a very specific job, but was, was great. And obviously, Carpenter scored some, you know, some very important goals. Scored that goal at Swindon in the first leg of the playoffs. Scored at White Hart Lane, you know, in that FA Cup third round game. Um, hmm. So, yeah, those two for me were were kind of when I was really first getting into you know, watching the Albion regularly, it was those two who were, who were the kind of the midfield pair. So yeah, I've, I've gone for that. Yeah. Mm. 
Um, yeah, okay. Uh, Peter? Uh, so I've gone slightly differently on the wings. I've literally taken it as cult, cult status. So I, I actually think your, your goal case for Buckley is really strong. I hadn't really thought about him, to be honest. I've gone for Johnny Crumplin on the right wing, purely for the cult status thing and the uh, football genius thing, where he obviously yeah. turned around yeah, from being a, became a bit of a legend after being vilified quite a lot and that sort of thing. And he was playing just as I started watching. So I thought, yeah, I'd chuck him in there. On the left, although he's also a right winger, is Stuart Storer, purely for his efforts that promote the survival season and that goal, obviously, mm. scoring the last goal at the mm. Goldstone. Um, yeah. Central midfield, I debated between Oatway and Carpenter because I had one other, other option. And I went for Oatway in the end purely because he probably had less ability than Carpenter, but he just just put so much effort in and he just was so passionate about it, everything. And, and actually, that last relegation season... His injury for the rest of the season was the one that kind of like really kind of we lost our way after that. We got injured against QPR and we struggled a lot after he got injured. So, um, and so alongside him, I've gone for Dean Wilkins just because of the, the link to Albion and he obviously wanted to manage the club and he was back in his second spell when I first started watching. And yeah, I'm just going to point for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I initially had a bit of a crossover with my team. So if I, I mean, more or less reading off the same team. So um, what I had done, because I had excluded Knockhart from the best, so I put him in the greatest because of his, those, those dynamic moments, those thrusts, those moments where he would just do something that would be special. So I had him in the greatest on that basis. Um, in terms of the midfield, I'd originally just gone for the same midfield as I had in the best. But happy to go, if it's more down the cult line, I'm happy to go with um, Owen Carpenter, actually, as well. Um, and left side, I mean, again, I'd gone with O'Sullivan on that side. I'm trying to think if, if I was picking somebody else, possibly, I guess you could go for Loire Loire because he provided a number of really exciting moments. He was part of that Gus team that was just so great to watch. And watching games like the Peterborough away game, um, Charlton game, the Charlton game where he was, he was brilliant in. And um, he, he was part of this rise that we had. Um, around the Amex era um, coming into play and so possibly go for him then I, my overall choice would be Peter O'Sullivan but I'm happy to to angle it in you could also argue it was him who sparked that whole push that we've obviously had for two seasons to get promoted again because yeah. we had an awful season before under Hoopier and then mm. not done too well under Hooten and just about survived and he was yeah. that first six seven games before he got injured he basically kind of scored every game almost and he was you know, and obviously yeah. suddenly we got to be picked up some momentum from that. And Yeah. Well, with the strikers, if I could just follow up on my strikers as well then. Um, I'd gone for, bearing in mind, I'd picked uh, Robinson and Murray for my bests. I'd gone with Ward and Zamora as the greatest because um, they are both cult heroes. They're both great players. Um, Ward was with us on the rise through that period of the late 70s, um, going into the 80s. And, you know, he, he, you know his profile... He's considered one of the greatest players for us. Um, I think it, it goes without saying. And Zamora, because I haven't had him in the best. But again, he was one of those cult figures, part of that Mickey Adams era and beyond. Coming back to the club as well, always having a love for the club. You know, he's, he's, he's definitely one of those cult figures too. But he's also a very good player. He did it with Fulham. You know, he got all the way to a European final with them. He played in the top flight. He just about made it to the England squad, didn't he, I think, in the end yeah. um, as well. Um, so those are my two picks for that. Um, Robin, what did you go for up front then? Because you picked my front two is a shambles. In all <laughs> honesty, completely in the cult line then. Yeah, good. 
Uh, I've gone for Gary Hart first wow. up, possibly for the you know the well-known legendary transfer fee of a thousand pounds and a set of tracksuits, yeah. which sounds like it should be a, a line in the theme tune for Only Fools and Horses. Um, <laughs> but you know, great player. You know, I think the, the, the kind of the modern Albion stalwart, really, alongside Kerry Mayo. Um, yeah. You know, played in a number of different positions. I think he had that. I think everyone assumed that his career was done, and he had that revitalization under Russell Slade. And yeah, he, he played that amazing, wide to the right, didn't he? Yeah, and he had that amazing run of games where, you know, particularly mm. the Bristol Rovers game, where he. I think I, I read a report the other day when I happened to be reading that that game. Where I think the line was something like, "You know, Gary Hart rolled back the years and put in a man mm. of the match performance." Blah blah. blah. In that game, I don't, even, I don't think rolling back the years even does justice to it. I think he rolled back to a level of ability that he didn't even have at any point before. <laughs> so I think he, he suddenly from, from nowhere really summoned up. And at that time, he was mid, he might have been mid 30s. Mm. He came in that game and he was yeah. similar yeah, he to Oakway, much, was he? He wasn't, he wasn't scoring much, but he was no, he he score at all. Yeah, he, he, laid, he was laying on goals for a Wusu. Yeah. It's kind of like Ashley Barnes syndrome in a way, wasn't yeah, it? He was doing a thankless similar to that, Similar to the Oatway argument, which he wasn't, he wasn't the most skillful player going, which is why I think he's perfect for this 11. Yeah. But you knew that he was putting in every ounce of sweat and energy and effort. Hmm. And he turned himself he into get... a decent championship player at his time as well. He had yeah. some good games in the championship. Yeah. So I've gone, with, I've gone with him. And also, he obviously he scored the first goal at the Amex. In the Sussex Senior Cup yeah. final as well, yeah. yeah, which is a nice little thing. So I've gone for him, and then I've gone for a very, very controversial choice who's not going to get in our overall agreed eleven. Um, but I've slung him in. I've gone for Baz Savage, <laughs> and before you before you laugh out of town so much, the, the, one of the reasons I've gone for him was because when he was with us, he actually gave us a huge amount of national coverage that we weren't necessarily getting because you know he became a cult figure on soccer mm. am for quite a while with his celebrations and he was getting us quite consistent mentions on you know very popular media outlets that that mm. we weren't necessarily getting um and obviously he scored that the best worst winning goal ever at hartlepool that we've talked about before as well but yeah and i think he it was at that time where you know i think when he joined, we just about got permission to build the stadium. And I think it was having someone like that who, who captured the national attention, you know, in, in a small way, but, you know, amongst football fans, kind of kept us relevant at a point in time where we needed to, you know, yeah. still be in the, in the conversation. So, as I say, I don't expect him to get in the overall agreed 11, but he was mm. someone who was undoubtedly a cult hero, scored quite yeah. a lot of goals, had the celebration... Um, and yeah, it was generally, um, yeah, a positive influence. I think. Yeah. Um, Peter, I thought I had two originally, and I'm gonna, I've actually going to say another one that I have now thought of, which is probably a better option in a lot of ways. Um, Hart, I have in there up front, even though technically he should have been on the right wing, but I had so many right wingers there um, <laughs> for the same reasons as Robin. Yeah, thousand pounds and set of tracksuits, and he was such good value, and he made so many appearances for Albion, and was yeah always good gave song it all. As well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other one I've gone for is literally down to one moment, and I think you probably work it out from that. Robbie Reynolds, obviously, is the kind of a, you know, kind of a player who would not have been remembered at all by Albion fans if he'd left in different circumstances. 
but is now remembered for probably the most important goal in our history. Um, and it's, in that sense, is the archetypal cult hero in some ways because he's yeah, he did, he did nothing for us but put himself with it. We're basically a tap in. He put himself in the you know, we Maskell did all the work basically with that shot, mm. but he was there to just like roll it in and that kind of like does it dictates, yeah. You know? And I think, I think that is he is. I can't believe I haven't put him in considering that this was sort of my idea. Um, <laughs> but that he actually epitomizes the greatest thing, which is actually, that's the point. Not yeah. most skillful. You've got to look at the moments delivered. So, yeah, I mean, you, you can't really look yeah. past anyone for a bigger, like you say, it wasn't the greatest goal, wasn't the most skillful goal, but as a, as a goal, you know, yeah. someone's got to be there to score it. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. The other one that I've, I've thought of just now, who actually I should have thought of before and actually could, it's, you know, he's a lot better than these guys, it's, but still a little of a cult status to Joa. Um, just because, you know, that, that first goal against Arsenal, that obviously did really well generally anyway, but that first goal against Arsenal, the first hat-trick at the Amex, that goal against Forest obviously gets into the playoffs. You know, big, big goals and exciting moments and that sort of thing. And I think, yeah, it deserves and a mention. a good well. song as well. Another good yeah, song. it was a good song. A lot of the time, goal. actually, with a cult player, that's actually quite a big thing if they've got a good... Yeah. You know, and great. the Forest the forest goal alone is yeah. just... Yeah, it was, it was carnage. My yeah. second favourite goal of his, actually, was the third goal in the 3-0 win over Palace. Because yeah. it was such a good team yeah. move as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, two goals against Palace in that 3-0 as well. Yeah. yeah. So. Okay. Well, you've talked me into a Joa. I think I might have to... Get, well, it kind of depends, really, on my ones. I, in, I think... Warden I, think we might, I, th- I think a Joa and Reinhardt would be a great partnership. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're actually going to have to... I know we've not decided on our agreed midfield, but I think we're, I think we're going to have to go 4-3-3. Because mm. I think we're going to have to put Hart, Reinhardt and a Joa in. OK. Yeah. Suits me. Which yep. would leave a three in midfield. Um, options we've had. Stora mentioned... Um, I think we all agreed on Oakway, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, if well, I was the it, crossover ones, I guess. Yeah, this is diff- it's difficult if you're going for a three. I think Dean Wilkins is probably a good shout. It depends if we're going to go. Are we going three central midfielders? Which is difficult because then we're losing. We struggled with wingers. I don't know. It's difficult. Or do you go four two one three? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is. It, I think, um, in a yeah. way, if you have to, I mean, you and I, I think, both left Knockart out because of. I think you have to have Knockart in there, probably. Yeah, you've got the yeah, we didn't put him in the other squads because he is the genuinely, you know, the kind of crowd pleaser, genuine, get you off your feet sort of player. He's missed out on the other squads. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I think I think Luar Luar is going to have to drop out on the basis that he never really delivered. He injured anyway, it's fine. And he didn't deliver. A lot of the rest of these have delivered an iconic moment at some point. And he's not. Yeah. He did. So he was the one Brighton player to score at Anfield in a bright net. That is true. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Knockout's got to be in. I think, to be honest, if we're putting, I think Barkley's got to be in for the same reason. If we're well, talking, we're not that much defensive midfield in. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, sorry, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but I think, uh, yeah, I think he's got to go in because I think if we're talking about, you know, if we're putting, if we're putting people in for scoring sort of iconic goals yeah. and big moments, I think he's got to yeah. go in. Hmm. Yeah, so I think then you've got to have. So then I think we're then we're then needing one midfielder to basically do all of the midfield we're work. Playing four-one-five, are we kind of thing? Yeah, basically. And I think the man for the job under those circumstances has got to be Charlie Oakway. 
to basically cover every blade of grass in central midfield. He's got enough Which names is... to make up for the lack of other midfielders. Yeah, exactly. He? So he Good can... And he can, he can hide the opposition's car in the car park as well. <laughs> yeah. They go past him and just bite them on it, like he did draw, was it that Darlington so game when he first started. So we've, yeah. gone for, we've gone for a very attacking um, midfield. <laughs> so we've gone for Buckley, Oatway, Knockart, and then a front three of Hart, Reinhardt and Ujela. Yeah, hmm? maybe maybe swap Hart and Buckley over. Hart probably got back a lot more and worked harder than uh, yeah. than Buckley. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, think it's, I think it was a worthwhile exercise to sort of do the because the iconic ones say it's sort of it's a much more like it's sort of intangible, isn't it? It's a lot more difficult yeah. to put your finger on the yeah. exact moments. But no, I'm happy with that as the okay. Sounds good. So just rounding off then, going back to the best best player of all time. Um, Robin, you've alluded to something earlier in this pod. Um, do you think it's time to start talking about Mr. Murray as um, the greatest ever, or is there another? And if not, who is? Um, I am going Murray, 100%. Hmm. And That's the reason it. being is that it's, for me, it's simply because of his trajectory with the club, in yeah. that you say his goals got us promoted from League One. Yeah. We'll miss out what happened after that. But his goals <laughs> then got us promoted from the championship. And his yeah. goals had a large say in keeping us up for two seasons and potentially three seasons, given the fact that he scored a couple of important yeah. goals recently. So I think the fact that he's, yeah, I mean, he's delivered at all yeah. parts of that. And, you know, he's got more than I mean, there's only one player ahead of him in the, in the overall yeah. Goal scoring which, charts in history, which speaks volumes. So he's done it at the at the best level mm-hmm. as well as other levels. He's um, he's done it in the top five. We, you know, he's he's been synonymous with success with us. He's come back for a second spell. They say never go back, and he has, and he's made a go. It's been it's been a success um, um, by anyone's reckoning. Um, you can mention key goals even this season, although it's not been his best season. Um, but yeah, West Ham uh, equaliser, for example. So. You know, at he, that point, could he, could he keep us up against West Ham? Exactly, yeah. that's the thing. You I turn around two it. points to them and yeah. one for us. Yeah, and we're talking we're talk best. And I think if you look at finishing, I mean, I don't think there's many strikers out there in general, never mind the Albion, who've been as good a finisher. Um, mm-hmm. There's some examples, but there's not many. Um, he just literally, just in the chance on goal, he'll put it away as well as anybody else would. Um, he the, really the is only... that good. The only turnaround from like the only bright side of the fact that we let him go to the Palace is they let him go as well far too early as he's shown. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's significantly scored more than Ben Teke since we've been up, for example, as a, or any of their I strikers. Mean, that, that's the thing. If, he hadn't, if we hadn't let him go, he would, he would be the club's record goal scorer by now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, think there's not, I don't think there's any argument to say that he yeah. wouldn't be. Hmm. Exactly. And actually, I, think, I still think he will do it because he's got another season to go. I think yeah. he will do it's, it. If we go got down, he's got a very good chance, got, especially. He's got, I think he's got 12 left or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He could easily peak three or four this season. Five, six, maybe. You never know. It's possible. I mean, that's actually... That, I think yeah, that would awesome. be... If we, were, if we were to go down, one mm. of the silver linings would be that mm. he would 100% break the goal record. Mm. Yeah, barring injury or whatever, then he did. Yeah, barring injury, yeah. Um, he would I mean, 100% I, break the record. I don't think he would break it if we stayed in the Premier League. No, no I don't think he would necessarily. He might be close to it, but the Championship, I agree with but you. But it's one of those Especially things where... probably like buy a striker say, like, as well. If he was to score, let's say he scores another four or five this season, yeah. it's, a bold, it's a bold manager to then sort of freeze him out when he's 
six or seven goals away, isn't it? Yeah. And it's feasible because he can score against the big clubs. He could notch one against an Arsenal or a Man U. Yeah, yeah we've got Norwich. I, I, I think he'll probably do it. He'll be fresh. I think as he'll well. do it. I think they've basically got to keep him on until he does it, even if it takes him another four, four years at like <laughs> two goals a season. And just bring him on in cup first round games against... You know, basically, the it's almost like American football. You just need to bring him on whenever we get a penalty or something like that. <laughs> to be the kicker, basically. Yeah. Anyway, so then we go. Yeah, so I mean, we... It's controversial, but I think he is. There's a, there's, a, there's a couple of alternates to that, I will say. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I think Dunk, Dunk definitely deserves a mention for that. Yeah, he's I mean, from where he's, he's come with Albion, from, from originally making his debut in League One and gone on to be captain in the Premier League. And, you know, I mean, he's got had one England cap, should have had more, really, if it wasn't for, I don't know what it is with, with Southgate with him. But, yeah, he should yeah. really have. Given England's option of centre-back, how Dunk doesn't even get yeah. mentioned in squads is beyond me. Again, he's, he's had opportunities to move by all accounts yeah. and he's stuck with us. He's a local boy, so he's a cult hero in that sense. Um, he's pretty much like our John Terry, isn't he? In, in many ways, you know, like a one-club man, at least so far anyway. And um, he's become the cap- sort of yeah. captain-type figure. And he's, um, you know, he's just solid, reliable, and he's a good player. In my yeah. lifetime, though, I think I'd go for Bruno, just because of yeah. the start he had with us and the way, the way he started with Albion. And he had quite a lot of injuries first couple of seasons, but then just sorted himself out. And he was, for four yeah. years, either side of the Premier going up and being in the Premier League. Yeah. He was, the other ones you know, that people talk about are uh, obviously Mark Lawrence, and who, yeah. for a large number of Albion fans, that is still the Yeah, my best. dad says he's the best player he's ever seen play. Yeah, right and he was phenomenal. Um, I, I only and really obviously remember. went on to win pretty much everything he could in club football as well. I was going to say, like, yeah. I'm, I'm more so. remembering from that as well. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, him, Peter Wardy as well. Um, and Vicente in a different way, but I don't know, because he hasn't played for that long for us. Yeah, I think if you purely talk about the best player, you can't have someone who played so few games, I think, probably. Yeah. yeah. He gets in the skillful team, but he doesn't, yeah, necessarily... Arguably best, arguably. But not greatest. But I think, yeah, yeah, I think Murray's the man for me at the moment. And it would be great for him to get over the line. I really hope he could. Would be nice. I think I hope he would as well. A couple of hat-tricks, you know. Yeah. So, well, that about sums it up for this episode then, episode 37. Thanks very much for joining us, boys. We hope you've all enjoyed this. Yeah, um, if you want to get in contact with us, it's um, Twitter, it's Brighton Rock, at Brighton Rock Pod. Emailing, it's Brighton Rock Podcast at gmail.com. And also, if you wanted to get in touch with Seagulls Over London, you can contact us through our website, seagullsoverlondon.com with the www at the beginning of course so there we go that's it for this episode thanks for joining us guys we've got a couple of no guests lined up coming up soon so we'll tell you more about that as they come up but in the meantime stand or fall up the albion cheers sports social podcast network it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash life's gotten mundane so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land you know what they say Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.